Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. For what it's worth, uh, this was the year that my daughter drew a line in the sand. She's six years old. Her name is Addie. And I always just, I always thought that kids want to root for the team that their dad roots for. That's what I was told when I was a kid. But that's apparently not how these kids are being raised these days. She's decided she's a Packer fan for life this year. Yeah. She's sticking with them. So there's hope. There's at least one fan still, still cheering for him next year. So, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll start out with this. No matter what happened last night, this will be your best year yet if it is your best year spiritually. I know this is something I've been saying the last couple weeks, but it's, it's true. You might feel a little bit more this morning after last night. But no matter what you experience this year, if it is your best year yet spiritually, it's your best year. Everything, everything in your life flows from your spiritual life. I've said this before. I know people who've had their best year financially, professionally, physically, and something was still off. But when they know God and they walk with him and they see their life flourish spiritually, their relationship with God, it is, there's nothing else that can touch that. So uh, we've been talking about the fact that the one person in the Bible that is tasked with your spiritual progress and growth, sanctification, if you want to use that word, the, the person whom that is their responsibility, the Bible would refer to him as the Holy Spirit. That is why Jesus sent him. Uh, now, I'm not saying he's somehow dist- like not a part of the Trinity. He is absolutely one with the Father and the Son. So yes, they're all involved, but the Holy Spirit has a job to do. And it's to sanctify or grow and help with your spiritual flourishing. So we are going to talk about them. Um, So we're going to review a little bit the last couple weeks here. Uh, The job of the Holy Spirit, which is a lot of what we talked about last week, is to glorify Jesus. And I want to be really specific about this. I always get a little nervous when I'm a part of, uh, when I'm talking to somebody or even I'm, I'm in a church for a period of time and there's a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit, but not a lot about Jesus. Because here's what's true. The Holy Spirit, I mean, we're preaching on him where you need to understand him. You need to know who he is. He's not somehow a second-class version of God. But his job is to glorify Jesus. So when, when the most spirit-filled and spirit-led people I know, they're the ones that talk mostly about Jesus. They're all about Jesus. They're enamored and captivated by Jesus. They're recalling the teaching of Jesus. It's on their lips um, the, the Holy Spirit is not about pointing you to himself as much as it's about glorifying Jesus, reminding you of all that he taught. So one way to, at least one way that you can start to discern if a person is filled with, led by, or a church is filled with the Holy Spirit is they are all about glorifying and making much of the name of Jesus Christ. So that's his job. Uh, number, the number two, I guess, in this, in this particular flow here, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit's role is also to convict of sin. And, and the, it's, it's pretty specific how Jesus describes this. He says, the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to convict of sin, which means it's his presence that does the convicting. 
This is a little bit of how you know the difference between the voice of the advocate, which is the word, one translation that Jesus, uh, that when Jesus describes the Holy, Holy Spirit, the, the translation of that word um, that Jesus gives him is advocate. The difference between the advocate and Satan's nickname, which is the accuser, is that the Holy Spirit will convict. You'll still feel your sin bubble up to the surface, but it's not through condemnation. You know, Jesus did, says, I didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. So why would he send the Holy Spirit and a bunch of Christians into the world to condemn it when he didn't even come to do that? So, so conviction, so often in, in Scripture and so often with the Holy Spirit, it's just his presence. He's not coming in, look at you, idiot, look at what you're doing. You're not doing enough. That's the voice of the accuser. The Holy Spirit, he's going to convict, but it's, it's more gentle than that. It's through his presence. And then he is going to declare things to you. He's going to declare Christ. He's going to remind you of all Jesus taught. He's going to declare the words of Christ. And even more than that, he's going to declare what belonged to Christ now belongs to the Christian. A person who puts their faith in Jesus and what he did on that cross, that all the riches of heaven, the inheritance of a life perfectly lived, sinless, all of it belongs to, a, to the believer. And the Holy Spirit's job is to declare that. That's what you're hearing if you're listening to the voice of the Spirit. Those are Jesus' words. That's what Scripture points to. And the result of all of that, the, the outcome of all of that, we talked about this last week, is you end up building an altar in your life. You know, this is where you, um, you, go, you, you, you see so clearly the altar of the cross, what Jesus did for you, and your reaction to his incredible love is to build your own altar and say, take my life. If, if, if you are willing to go to that length for me, and if all of what's available to you because of the cross is available to me, then I don't need this stuff that I've been clinging on to tight. I actually need more of you. You know, some of you are thinking about 2024, and you're like, you know what I need in 2024? I need more money. I need more influence in my job. I need, I need more kids. I need more of this. You don't need more of anything but God. That's it. That's what you need. That's what 2024 is about. You need more God in your life. And so what Jesus does and what the Holy Spirit does is he, uh, he, he facilitates that moment where you say, I want to build an altar. I want less of me and more of God. And I'll get on the altar after you stare into the altar of the cross. So the question we're going to answer today, or at least we're going to unpack a little bit, is what are the indicators? What are, what's the signs? What are the, what are the, uh, what's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is active and, and involved in my life. What's the signs for that? To do that, we're going to go to um, a book that, uh, actually it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Uh, so it's called Galatians. And you might be familiar with the type of church this was. This hopefully not uh, long because there, it's a church that really beats a lot of people up. It's a church that's all about works. It's all about you doing all this stuff. And don't do this. Do, you know, don't say that. Don't talk like that. Don't walk like that. All the don'ts, all the, all the works, all the rituals, and all religion and no relationship. So this is a church that this, this particular church in Galatia had turned into. And so Paul, right into that, he writes this letter. And he condemns that. And he kind of tries to teach them on what real spiritual maturity looks like and where it comes from. Again, spiritual progress, flourishing. So Galatians chapter 5, I'll start in verse 16 here. Paul writes, so I say, walk, it, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit uh, desire what contrary to the spirit, and the spirit it what is and and the spirit it is what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict; they're at war with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You know that might be your biggest problem. You've never said no to yourself. You know, let me just say this. When you surrender your life to Jesus, when you receive the forgiveness available to you because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross, and you receive that by faith, remember you're saved by grace, it's a gift, and it comes to you through faith. You, you just simply believe that it's true for your life. When that happens, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in your heart. And he doesn't like to share, he's not a, he doesn't do roommates with anybody else, it's just him. So he starts demoing everything. He starts tearing down walls. He doesn't just change out the carpet. He adds a sunroom. You see what I did there? <laughs> anyway. But no, he, he demos the interior of your life. And, and, and so what happens is this. When he comes in, he brings some stuff. One of the things he brings is peace. He does. There should be a settled matter in your heart. And I'm not saying you won't have bad days or drift away from it, but there is a peace that comes from knowing that your relationship with God is at peace. That when Jesus cried out on that cross, it is finished. He was talking about everything necessary that needed to happen between you and God to be right with God. It brings a peace. He brings, it brings a peace of knowing that there's purpose in your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what season, no matter how old or even how young you are, there's purpose in what you're going through because God is in your life now and he cares about you and he has a plan for you. So there's a peace in knowing like, that he has a plan for me. And, and you know those nights where you fall asleep wondering, is this all there is? Some of you may remember this famous interview with, um, between a 60 Minutes interviewer and uh, Tom Brady after he won a couple Super Bowls, and he's being asked by the interviewer, so what's it like? And Tom Brady's like, is this it? I just feel like it's just empty. Is this it? Is this all there is? And the interviewer's like, do you think, what do you think? Is, is there more to life? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that question, that nagging pebble in your shoe as you fall asleep at night, that gets settled you know there's more to life, and it's all wrapped up in Jesus. So there is peace. But there is also a war. A war breaks out the moment you cross the line and become a believer. The moment you cross the line with God, you are no longer neutral in the fight. You know, when, when during World War II, if there was a neighboring country to all the war going on, if they suddenly declared themselves no longer neutral, but they picked a side, they immediately got attacked. <laughs> That's what happens. The moment you say you stand with a certain side, you're going to get attacked by the other one. The moment the Holy Spirit takes up presence in your life, he brings a fight. Stuff that didn't bother you before should bother you now. Stuff that you didn't think you needed to do, but somehow now you feel like, I got to start doing this stuff. You know, even sin, the Holy Spirit never leaves you, even in sin. He's always there. That's why it's really specific. The Bible talks about this. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. So now things that were sin, that are sin that you used to do that don't didn't bother you, now all of a sudden there's this, you hear the, the grief of the Holy Spirit in your heart that he wasn't there before. 
And so there's this weird feeling that when you're doing sin now, something's bothering you. Look, I, as hard as this is to hear, if you are living your life and, and you never say no to yourself and you never even feel like you should say no to yourself, what you think about the world, what you think relationships should be like, what you think fun and pleasure should look like, you never say no to yourself and it doesn't even bother you, so I, I'm not going to tell you you're not a Christian, but I'm going to say I am very concerned with your, your faith that you even have it, because that's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes in and he brings this fight, this war. And that conflict is a good one. It's a good fight. It's not a bad fight. We've all gotten in bad fights before. (laughs) I've gotten in some bad fights. Um, But this is a good fight. It's a good one. It's a good thing. Sometimes people come to my office and they're all, they're torn up over their sin. And I at least can say, listen, at least it bothers you. It's a sign that the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, hey, this ain't us. This isn't who we are anymore. Let me read on, though. This is what what it says. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I'm going to stop there. You know, uh, the first thing we learn here is that how do we know that there's evidence? Well, first we know there's evidence because there's a conflict. There's this inner war. But let me tell you the second thing that's going to happen is fruit will start to grow. Now, I want to be careful. I want want you to at least understand the Greek word for fruit is singular, meaning this list, it's not about getting the best out of 10, like get 8 out of 10 or 6 out of 10 or whatever the number is. It's not about that. They're all different angles or different parts of one single diamond. That's what they are. This is one fruit. All these things boot off the same hard drive. Love. And then we can unpack that at a later, later week. But the, you need to understand this is not a list of things that are all different fruits. It's one fruit. And that one fruit is represented by all these different expressions. Now, the, now, the first thing I want to point out about fruit is this. It's gradual. It takes time. You ever grown something? You ever, you ever grown something? You water it and you stand there and Nothing. And you come back the next day and you water it and nothing. There will be seasons or days or weeks or years where you're watering and all the growth is happening underneath the surface. You know how many times I've talked to people or I've heard them describe it this way where they're like, you know, looking back, I realize what, what God was doing. But at the time, I didn't know. At the time, I didn't understand what he was doing. But looking back, I saw he was doing something. There is stuff happening in your life right now, and you don't even know it. But it is happening. There is a lot of activity 
in your life. God is always growing. If the fruit is in there, if it's a seed of the Holy Spirit's in your life, something is growing even if you can't see it. Number two, fruit is internal. It comes out when it's tested. Um, Let me put it to you this way. Uh, How do you know that you're fast as a runner? How do you know you're fast? How do you know I'm fast? How do you know you're fast? Do you feel fast? Do you look fast? You know, how do you know you're fast? You don't know you're fast until until you're running, until you're having to run, until you're having to sprint somewhere. That's when you know whether or not you're fast. How do you know you're patient? How do you know you have forbearance? Do you feel patient? Do you look patient? No, you, you, you just, you have to wait until something shows up in your life that you have to wait for and be patient with. Like this screen behind me here. <laughs> be patient. It's working hard back there. Be patient. How do you know, how do you know you're gentle? Well, you don't until there's a situation in your life when you should be pretty harsh and you choose to be gentle. How do you know, how do you know you've got how do you know you've got peace when you're in a chaotic situation, but you respond peacefully? Uh, th- these things are very internal, and they only come out when they're tested. Lastly, and then this is where we're going to live for the remainder of the morning here. This is really important. So we're going to hang out here. Fruit is always the result of something planted you have to, something has to break in. You know what's really fascinating? If you read the Bible slow, things just come out. I, I would encourage you, if you spend time reading the Bible and don't feel like you're like, I gotta read 50 chapters a day. You know, there's, there's a lot in every single verse, okay? So let me, let, me, let me look at what Paul does here. This is really profound. Paul writes in verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh. And then he says this but the fruit of the Spirit. So you have the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. He's mixing metaphors. Why is he doing that? It's not the fruit of the flesh. Here's the thing. Nothing has to be planted for you to do that other list. Okay? That is natural to you. It is already there. Uh, These acts of the flesh, you just do them. But the Holy Spirit... He is a person that has to be planted. He has to break in. He has to come into your life. Let me put it to you like this. You can't just stop something. You can't just stop doing something. God has to start something, and God has to grow something. This list that we read, this list, uh, joy, peace, love, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, if you go home today and you walk out these doors and you read that verse and you make a list of those things and you start trying to check those things off on your list and you think making a list of those things is gonna get you the fruit of the spirit, you, you are totally missing what Paul is saying here. Totally missing what Paul's saying. These are the outputs. If you want the outputs, you gotta get the inputs. Maybe for you, this, is, this has been your struggle today. Where I'm gonna spend the next couple minutes, this has been your biggest frustration. You've wondered why you don't have the grit to keep going and through the, the works of being just a morally good person and you're tired all the time and you don't have the grit to pull yourself up off the floor when you fail and you've wondered why. It's because you've been reading this wrong. You've been thinking about this all wrong. This is the byproduct to go home 
today and to make a list of these things and then to try to hold yourself accountable to be doing these things and think that that's going to grow the fruit is it's like the equivalent of leaving church today and going to Costco and spending $700 on the fruit there. Uh, that is, it feels like the bill that I always leave with. No matter what I went into Costco to get, I feel like I leave with like $500 worth of stuff. But you, you go into Costco and you get the fruit, you buy fruit, you drive home, you go into your backyard, you trudge through the snow and you start duct taping the fruit onto your tree. That is the equivalent of thinking that Paul's talking about this list that you're supposed to go out and start to duct tape that list onto your tree. This is, if there's no fruit on the tree, don't tape it. Don't tape it to the branches. You gotta read what Paul's saying here. He is, he's not saying this is the fruit of your discipline. That's not the result of this. You're not gonna go home and try and be more disciplined. This is not the fruit of the discipline. This is not the fruit of your effort. Don't read the Bible so fast. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It, these are not the inputs, that list. These are the outputs. You know what this means? Here's what this means. This is really important to hear today. You are, you are saved by grace. That's what the Bible says. It says you're saved by grace. And you're saved by God, the Son, Jesus Christ, who dies on that cross and saves you by grace. Ready for this? The result of that is that you are grown spiritually. You grow spiritually by God, the Spirit. Do you see the different roles showing up in the Trinity here? You're saved by grace, and you are grown by grace, lest no one should boast, not by works, not of yourself, not by leaving today and making a list. That's not, it's not the fruit of your discipline. Boy, I probably created a lot of problems, a lot of tension, and everybody's thinking, well, what in the world am I supposed to do? I feel helpless. Good. <laughs> Good. You need to get to that place where, you, where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, going, you, you can't do this without me. You can't do this without Jesus. He's doing this right now in the room. He's going, you've been trying so hard. You're doing all the work. You've got to go to the cross. You've got to look at Jesus. He's the one. He's the source of your strength and your power. The Holy Spirit's drawn you, not to yourself, to Jesus. Listen, uh, the, most, the most spiritually mature people I know, um, the, the most spiritually strong people I know, are less confident in their own willpower and their own flesh than they were when they started the walk. The most spiritually mature people, they, they describe God's grace as something they need more of now than they ever did before. The Pharisees, the, 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 the people that really are the, the, the Pharisees of the Bible, the people that are not spiritually mature, those are the ones that are saying like, yeah, I got this, I got this sin thing whipped. I mean, I'm strong enough, I can do it. I'm pretty disciplined. I've got this thing down. I've got sin whipped. They're, the most spiritually mature people I know are dependent on the Spirit. They're just dependent on the Spirit. Uh, years ago, there was a, um, a story that I heard about a missionary who uh, invited some students from the remotest part of the Amazon jungle. Uh, they'd never been on a plane before. They'd never been to America before. You can imagine that. They're sitting on the plane like this, like, ah! 
you know, just, they've never, they've never seen all the modern stuff. And so he brings them over to America and he's bringing them around to this church, the different churches. And they were there to kind of speak and share testimony of what God's doing. And they were staying at this hotel. And one day he walks into the hotel a couple days in, he's walking in and the sink is all dismantled. And he's like, what's, what had happened here? And they were trying to explain. They're like, well, we knew we were going to be going out to this church, and we know it's a couple hours away, and we just, if we got thirsty, you know, we needed to bring some water with us. So they dismantled the faucet because they thought that that's where the water comes from, is from the faucet. So they were going to pack the faucet for the water. As kind of funny as that is, this is what we do in churches. This is what we do. We get a list of the fruit of the Spirit, and we try to go out there and do it. And it, you we're not plugged into the source. We, we, the source of that water is not in the faucet. It's in the plumbing, in the system. You've got to be connected to the source. So here's the answer. If there's no fruit on the tree, you've got to check the soil. You gotta check the conditions. Is there rain? Is there sun? What's the condition? The seed is fine, okay? The Holy Spirit is sufficient to grow you and to see progress in your life. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's not a bad seed. You didn't get a, a second-class version of the Holy Spirit. He is fine. The Holy Spirit can do it all. What about the conditions of your soil? Here's the list you wanna leave with. And I just want to remind you this. Fleeing from sin is not just running from sin. Fleeing from sin is running into the presence of God. He's where the, the conditions for growth are. It's just in his presence. It's not making a list of works and behaviors, although there's things that you got to do in your schedule. There's things you got to do in your life, but, but it's about being in the presence of God. He is the only one that can change you. You can't change you. I can't change you. Do it behaviors, good work, effort. That can't change you. God can change you. God can grow you. So here it is. Um, let's, let's go through a couple things. I'm going to skip ahead. I want to make sure we get this done. So the first thing I'll say is this. A list of fruit, or a list of conditions in the soil. If you want good fruit, you got to have good soil. And this is one way to, po- your job is to posture your life to get good conditions. That's what you do. You, you're posturing your life to get good soil. So here's the first one is God's word. God's word is a is condition where God can do some work in your life. It's getting good sunlight. It's getting good water in your soil. Um, uh, I, you know, people ask me a lot, like, what do I do for reading the Bible? How do I do it? And, and sometimes one of their biggest complaints is, you know, I've been reading for the last month. Maybe you started in January. You're like, I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year. And, and they're like, you know, I don't even remember what I read yesterday. I don't even remember what I read last week. The way the, the way the Bible describes itself, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says this, that man does not live on, on bread alone, but on every word from God. So the Bible describes itself as spiritual food. Here's the deal. I don't remember what I had for lunch last week, Wednesday. I don't remember what I had for breakfast two days ago. I don't. Wait, it was Chick-fil-A. Maybe it was Chick-fil-A. That I can't forget Chick-fil-A. No, I'm just kidding. I remember this one Japanese A5 Wagyu steak that I got to try one little piece of because it was a billion dollars and it was delicious, right? So I remember that. I remember that little piece of steak. 
I don't remember what I eat most days. I know I needed to eat. We have to eat. We have to have food to live. You need spiritual food to grow, to flourish. God's word is the condition for the soil to be enriched. Ephesians chapter five, um, Paul puts it like this. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Some of us are filling up on stuff. Some of us are filling too much up on wine and that, you know, like that's a spirit, right? It controls the way you talk, controls the way you walk, gives you boldness and courage you don't normally have or shouldn't have. The Holy Spirit is the same thing, but in a sanctified different way. He changes the way you believe what you're capable of and what God can do. He gives you courage. He changes the way you talk. Be filled with that spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's not just... It's not, this can be applied a lot of different ways. The, the, key, the key words there are be filled. For us, do you know what that means? You have to be emptied first. You have to be emptied of stuff. Some of you have been filling your mind with social media or whatever, whatever the news says, whatever CNN says, whatever Fox News says. You're just filling your mind with stuff. If you're gonna be filled with the spirit, you gotta empty of some things. Because the Spirit inspired every punctuation mark in this book. And if you want to be filled with the Spirit and what he's going to do and say and guide in your life, empty out some stuff in your life, be filled with this. Be filled with what he has written here through, through Paul, through the prophets. Number two, uh, God's people. Great condition for growing uh, spiritually. Um, here's how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter two. He says this, in him, you too are in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, in Christ. And then it says this, in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Do you want access to the Holy Spirit? Do you want to see him acti- his activity in your life and you want to see gr- growth? Close the relational distance between you and the, God's people. We're supposed to be bricks, like put together. That means there's someone on top of you who's kind of like discipling you. That means there's some brick below you that you maybe you're pouring into. There's some bricks next to you that are your peer group that you need to be sharpened by, but that you need to close the gap between your life and the, God, the life of another believer in his church. That's going to be the conditions for growth. We're doing this, uh, this is the last week to sign up for a small group. Do not leave here and say, yes, I need more spiritual flourishing. I want this year to be the best year. And I want the Holy Spirit to be active in helping me grow and walk right past all those booths. Sign up for men's frat, women's studies, any kind of group we have. Get, close that relational distance. Number three, God's mission. Uh, Jesus over and over and over said, I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. I'm willing to leave the 99 to go find the lost. Listen, why would the Holy Spirit come into your life and glorify Jesus in your life and then send you in the opposite direction that Jesus has pointed at? The Holy Spirit is gonna grow. He's gonna, he's gonna do work in your life. The soil for that is actually on mission with, with, with God in reaching people who don't know him, who don't know the good news, who don't have hope. They're not at peace. They're fighting the wrong battles. Get on mission with God. And then lastly, and this is what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up because we're gonna close with this. This is another place for good soil. And it is in God's throne room. What do I mean by that? You know, we don't know everything about the, the 
about what heaven's gonna be like. We don't know everything, but we know some things. And one of the things that's gonna be in heaven is singing praise. There'll be instruments in heaven. There'll be people, there'll be people together who are different than each other, all different stories, all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, all different social economic, socioeconomic spheres. They'll all of them together with one voice, they'll be saying the same things. I mean, few things unify a person more with another person than saying the same thing at the same time on the same beat, on the same rhythm. I mean, think about how much synchronization has to happen just to sing a song. This is what heaven will be like, is we will be worshiping God together and there'll be music involved. That's not the only kind of worship, but that is one attribute of the throne room of heaven. And when you step into that, it's good soil. God does stuff in your life. There's a few things more powerful than truth spoken out of the tongues of people. You know, some of you, you have to get out of your head what you know is true and say it. Some of you say things about yourself, about your future that are not true, that you don't know for sure, that are sarcastic or cutting, or, or there's just lies. But notice when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, he didn't think to himself, it is written. He spoke, it is written. Why did Jesus have to speak out the Bible? He could have just thought it, but why do we know he spoke it? Because when you're tempted, that's what you do. That's our example. When you're struggling, you gotta speak truth. That's why singing truth is so powerful. It's coming out of your mouth. Things are happening. Why don't you stand as you're able? I wanna ask you, is this overwhelming? Is it, is it this list of things, is it hard? Does it sound like you can't do it on your own? Good. You need the helper. You need the advocate. And he'll glorify Jesus. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, we're about to do what you tell us to do, which is declare your promises to trust you, to speak truth, to say what is right, even before we see it. Lord, what we're about to do is not a natural reaction, Lord. A natural reaction, you know, is when you do something good, and we we thank you for it. That's natural. We're going to do what's unnatural. It's called faith. We're gonna praise you. We're gonna worship you no matter what our circumstances are, Lord, because you're worthy and we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.